The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. You know when your land only taps for three mana? Right. I love the look on my opponent's face when they know they have nothing in their deck that can beat a progenitus. <laughs> but does it have Annihilator 6? <laughs> It has Annihilator player. Yeah, that's, that might be better, actually. <laughs> right. So it's just a lot of fun. I love elves. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel, and it's not Thursday. It's not Thursday. Bonus episode. This is going to be our first installment of our supplementary content slash potentially replacement content if we're busy. This is a Like I'm 5, where we go through a deck or playstyle Matt and I are very familiar with or very eager to learn about, and we give you the talk like your five on what we're doing so it's at today what are we doing uh today we're going to talk about uh legacy elves it is among any format or any deck the deck that i am the most familiar with i've been playing elves since middle school back then it was priest of titania into overrun uh now it's gotten quite a bit better so since this is our first like i'm five let's let's prep the viewers a little bit how are you what are you going to do with elves today so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what kind of game plan the deck has, where it fits in the meta, like the archetype of the deck, what the key cards are. We'll go over individual card discussions and like the we'll go over like the sideboard. And basically just to kind of give you an idea of whether or not you would like to pick up this deck, if you do pick it up, just give you an idea how to play the deck. Yeah, if so it was like your... if you've never picked up Legacy Elves, obviously it's called Like I'm 5 for a reason, so I'm not going to be trying to talk over you, explain like super high concept stuff. But if you're new to Legacy or you're new to Legacy Elves or whichever deck we happen to be talking about, this will be a good introduction to the deck. Elves is especially a complicated deck. Every deck is hard to play, obviously, but Elves is really complicated. So this could be a great place for someone just to jump in, spend maybe 35 to 45 minutes on what the deck is. And one of the nice things about this is, say you listen to this and you have no intention of ever playing Elves, but you sit down across an Elves player at a Legacy tournament and you've never played it, but you've listened to this, you're going to have an idea of, hey, oh, what what are they going to try to do on turn two? Yeah, exactly. The best way to beat a deck is to play it, actually. Yep. I mean, so if you want to be the best legacy player, master all the decks. I'll see you in 10 years. Correct. But the next best thing you can do is try and get as wide of a collection of knowledge about as many decks as you can so that you know how to pick them apart. And this could be a great place for you to start with elves. Yep. So for starting with elves, Matt, what is the game plan or game plans of elves? It's archetype. It's kind of like a... It's a combo mix. It's a creature combo mix. Game plan, like plan A, is going to be using a card called Glimpse of Nature, which is a one mana, one green mana sorcery uh, until end of turn whenever you cast a creature, draw a card. Sounds kind of like the new card, Rites of Harmony. Correct, which is why I'm. I've, we've discussed it before. I'm super excited to get a slightly nerfed version of Glimpse of mm-hmm. Nature for Modern yeah. Elves. Hopefully that'll revitalize that deck a little bit. Gotcha. So plan B is to cast a card called Natural Order which is a four-mana sorcery. In addition to its casting cost, you have to sacrifice a green creature, and it searches your library for a green creature and puts it into play. Straight into play. Straight into play. That seems pretty powerful. So 99 times out of 100, your creature that you're going to get is Crater Hoof Behemoth. It's an eight-mana 5-5 with haste. When it enters the battlefield, creatures you control get plus X, plus X, and trample, where X is the number of creatures you control. So ideally, you're going to get out like four or five other little either elves, insects, or dryads. Anything that can attack. Any, yeah, any of your creatures in your deck, get four or five of them out, natural order out. A crater hoof behemoth, swing for 20. 
Gotcha. Plan C, there's another card called Allosaurus Shepherd, which can make all your elves five fives. And that's kind of your plan C is like if you've whiffed on your combos, your strong finishes, or if you're just in a really grindy matchup and you can't afford to play those spells, you can just go straight to face with Allosaurus Shepherd or I mean, sometimes even without it and just beat people to death with a couple one ones. We're going to kind of I'm kind of jumping ahead a little but elves is really good at making a lot of mana and Allosaurus Shepherd's ability. I think it costs like six. Yeah. But you start swinging in with two or three five fives every turn. That'll end the game quick. Correct. So we've got plan A, which is casting Glimpse of Nature, following that up with a bunch of elf spells and drawing tons of cards. And a lot of these elves are going to make us mana. So you're kind of outvaluing your opponent by drawing 15 cards in a turn and yep. putting 20 creatures out. Plan B is going to be to, you know, use those creatures to the best extent with a crater hoof and natural order. Sounds like kind of a risky play with a natural order making you sacrifice a creature, but very powerful. And then worst comes to worst, you throw out Alistor Shepherd, make them all five fives and beat face. Correct. Uh, the next thing we'll talk about are the key stones of the deck. We just mentioned a couple of them. There's a couple more we haven't. The first one, obviously, is Glimpse of Nature. We know what it does. What you want to do is set up a turn two or turn three glimpse, which is very difficult to answer. What you're doing there basically is going, hey, do you have force of will? If you don't, then congratulations, you're probably going to lose. I'll say as a blue player, it never feels good discarding a blue card and using your force of will to counter a one mana sorcery. Right, that's that's one of the best things about it, and we'll talk about this a little later. Glimpse of Nature, you can bait people into countering glimpses they shouldn't, because one of the things about this deck is because it's so complicated, you can set up what looks like a very good board position for a glimpse, but have nothing in your hand to follow it up with, and force them to force it, and then follow it up with plan B, which is natural order. I do that all the time. It's it's happened to me many times. It's <laughs> just, hey, counter this glimpse or you think you'll lose. Oh, you countered the glimpse. Cool. Here's the actual card that matters. It's natural order. Take 20. He, he says that like you think you'll lose, except every time you don't counter glimpse, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just good bait, quote unquote. It's. Well, the and reason, I win card if you counter it, if well, you don't counter it. That's why it make that's what makes it such good bait is most people don't recognize they don't know the deck very well. So you can very easily bluff a good glimpse position mm -hmm. when you don't actually have it. If you know what you're doing. Yep. Obviously, natural order we talked about. We're going to be fishing out crater hoof. The other key card of the deck As, worth noting, I think natural order is probably your riskiest card. If we're talking about natural order, the thing you want to watch out for there is just throwing it away against a force. It costs four mana. That's one of the, the flip side of glimpse. You know, your blue player hates to force a will a glimpse. They love to force a will in natural order. I've never let a natural order resolve right. if I could stop it. So you pay four mana and you sacrifice a creature. I mean, that's brutal and it's just backbreaking if that gets countered. Because the sacrifice happens before the yeah, spell even hits the, the stack. So, yep. You're just, you have to go all in on that. From your opponent's perspective, the nice thing is they know all this. So they're going, well, I can count you have three creatures out and uh, yeah, you probably have a crater hoof in your <laughs> It's It's a lot easier for your opponent to tell whether or not you have a potentially lethal natural order. And because it's so such a commitment to cast, you're almost never going to be bluffing it. You know what I mean? Whereas Glimpse of Nature, you can throw one green. It kind of acts like a thought seize. Because mm -hmm. you're just one green, get rid of their force, follow it up with that natural order. Natu you cannot do the reverse. Yep. So you need if you're casting natural order, you need to be A, your back's against the wall and it needs to resolve or you lose anyways. Or B, pretty sure it's going to resolve. Now, there are other cards that you can do to make sure that happens, mm -hmm. but just to, you know, start with always make sure you are as sure as possible that your natural order is going to resolve because it's just it I mean you'll almost always lose if you cast a natural order and it's 
if it's at the wrong time, it's just backbreaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the next card we're going to talk about is Gaia's Cradle. So Gaia's Cradle is probably the like the individually most powerful card in Legacy. There are cards that do that are more efficient that maybe do a wider array of things. There is no other card like Gaia's Cradle in Legacy. The corollary of Gaia's Cradle, basically its sister, Tolarian Academy, is banned. That's how good it is. So Gaia's Cradle is a legendary land. It taps for one green mana for each creature you control. Now, what we're going to do with this is flood the board with a bunch of cheap creatures and then tap Gaia's Cradle for a bunch more mana. It sounds like that pairs well with Glimpse of Nature. It sure does. So you get to cast a couple creatures and then use Gaia's Cradle to make all of those creatures that drew you cards produce mana to cast more creatures. And draw more cards. Now, the funny thing is, Gaia's Cradle ceiling is very high, but most of the cradles you'll see that are tapped are tapped for two or three. Because mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is just kind of get over that hump. So, like, you know, when your land only taps for three mana. Right. If you're trying to combo off with like a turn two glimpse, that cradle is going to be tapped as late as possible, but that's still only going to get you two or three mana. Mm-hmm. So, like, people imagine it tapping for 10. It's much more similar in day-to-day play to like a soul land that Eldraza use. Gotcha. It also can occasionally tap for three or four. If you kind of do it right, you can get a, uh, like a turn two natural order off, Mm -hmm. which is just, again, one of those things where you're just like, huh, well, my opponent just cast a four mana sorcery sacrificed creature on turn two and attacked me for 20. It does happen. But that's because of Guy's Cradle. And you cannot, the thing about those things, like that turn two natural order that can't happen in Legacy Elves without a Gaia's Cradle. Mm-hmm. You can pull off some turn two glimpses if you're real lucky without a Cradle, but realistically, your glimpse is going to have to wait till turn three if you don't have a Cradle. Gotcha. Same thing with Natural Order. Uh, the other card, again, kind of that key card, is the newer card, Allosaurus Shepherd. Allosaurus Shepherd not only is a threat, but it protects all of our stuff. So Allosaurus Shepherd's 1-1 one, one Elf for one green. It can't be countered. Green spells you play can't be countered, and then you can pay six to make all your elves five fives until end of turn. That's so, a lot of text for one mana. It sure is. It's one of those cards that, on our podcast, we've talked about the design mistakes of more modern sets. Allosaurus Shepherd is right up there with them. It's one of those cards that if it was more broadly powerful, if it wasn't such a narrow card, it would absolutely need to be banned. But given the fact that it only does its thing for elves and is basically irrelevant for the rest of the meta, it's one of those that's like, well, it's really powerful, but it's so narrow that it doesn't matter. I think I agree with that. Allosaur Shepherd, Ragavan kind of mucks it up a little bit, but Allosaur Shepherd, in my opinion, was was in contest for one of the most powerful one-mana cards ever printed. Yeah, absolutely. Especially creatures, we'll say creatures. And, you know, Ragavan kind of fights it for that, but... There's no calls for the Alsor Shepherd ban because it only works with elves, and that's a very steep deck building cost. Yeah, every now and then you'll see it. Some Green Sun Zenith decks play it just because it makes the deck is built around Green Sun Zenith toolboxes. So it just makes Green Sun Zenith guaranteed to resolve. So it obviously they're not abusing the six mana make all your elves five fives. That's not really a thing in those decks. They're just they just want to make all their green stuff resolve. Yeah, that's fair. They, incredibly powerful card and yeah and it's one of those things where you're looking at that card and you go well in in this specific context of elves it's very good but as soon as you move it out of that all it is is a one mana card that makes green spells can't be countered that's not really even that good of a card and there have been cards that do very similar things for the same price and never sleep on that activation ability to make your elves five fives like we talked about earlier i've lost plenty of games to uh four elves that are now five fives yeah and the thing is it's very it's very easy to do 
Because if you have four or five elves, all I have to do is just, just play a cradle for my hand. You don't see it coming. Boom, activate swing. Yep. So it's one of the few one of the few wins that while it's it's not the easiest win to pull off, it can come out of nowhere if you're not paying attention. So there's a lot of cards in elves that are redundant, but are also very unique. Yeah. And so I think in this like I'm five, we're gonna go over a little more like fine tooth comb some of these cards. What are some more really like notable cards in elves? There's two that have to be talked about, and that, in my opinion, is Quarian Ranger and Wirewood Symbiote, because they do things that, like, no other cards do. Hmm? Um, Wirewood Symbiote is a one-mana, one-green mana, one-one insect. As part of the activation cost, you can return an elf to your hand to untap target creature. Now, that's the cost. That, that cost gets paid before anything happens. You don't Correct. respond to that. Correct. So if you go to Lightning Bolt, my Allosaurus Shepherd, I can return it to my hand to untap my Nettle Sentinel so I can attack with the next turn. Even if it isn't even if it isn't tapped, you can just target Correct. anything to untap it Correct. and protect once per turn, protect any elf. Yes. Uh the other card we'll talk about that pairs very well with Wirewood Symbiote is Elvish Visionary. So what you'll see a lot. Uh, Elvish Visionary is a two-mana 1-1 one, one elf. When it uh, comes into play, draw a card. Doesn't seem like that good in and of itself. You're like, oh, well, I mean, it cycles, and you get a 1-1. One, one. whoop de doo Well, when you've got two or three Wirewood Symbiotes on the board, you abuse that ETB mm-hmm. over and over and over, and I end up drawing three or four cards a turn. You've got, you know, Gaia's Cradle maybe makes five mana, and let's say hypothetically you have a creature that taps for a mana. You can play this creature, draw a card, bounce it to your hand to untap the creature that makes mana to then help pay for it again, Correct. drawing, at least three cards in a turn. And Correct. a lot of these games come down to who drew more cards this game. Yeah, and Wirewood Symbiote is a very important card in Glimpse Chains. What it allows you to do is cl- keep a Glimpse Chain going once you no longer have any cards in your hand to cast. You bounce an elf to your hand, untap something to produce mana to cast it, and then replay the elf, draw another card. Wirewood Symbiote just, it's an incredibly... Again, a lot of the cards in this deck are very narrow, but they're very powerful in what they do within the context of this deck. As someone that plays against elves fairly regularly, because I podcast with an elf mage, yep, that's my usual target for removal. Yeah, when that's on the stack, this that's the last chance to remove something. And then when that's on the board, the only thing you get to remove within right. reason is Wirewood Symbiote. Correct. The next one is a very similar card, but it plays a different role. It's Query and Ranger. So Quarian Ranger is a 1-1 elf for one green. You can return a forest to your hand to untap a creature. That gives you a lot of flexibility. The One of the biggest things outside of its acceleration is it allows you to protect your dual lands and your dryad arbor from wasteland and dryad arbor from removal like any other creature. And a lot of people don't see that coming. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the advantages you'll have as someone playing elves is a lot of people, like if you're in a high-end tournament, everyone there knows what, what elves does and they can read. Well, maybe not round one or two, though. Correct. But if you go to an FNM, you're going to play against people who have never even seen an elf deck. I've been, I mean, I've played elves, we'll say I've played elves dozens of times, and I think a few months ago, I was playing Delver and just threw my wasteland away, because yep. Matt was like, Korean Ranger, Jake, pick up my bayou. Yeah, thanks for sacrificing a land, I yeah. appreciate that. So the other couple things Quarian Ranger allows us to do is... By returning a, a land, a forest, to your hand, if you haven't hit a land drop yet and you don't have one in your hand, you can get a free land drop. Oh, you can bounce a tapped land. You bounce a tapped forest, return it to your hand, like you return it to your hand, replay it, now it taps for another green, and that's just the cost. 
the cost is generating a mana, and then you untap another creature. So I still can't. I couldn't even respond to that. Correct. If you wanted to bounce your dual land, I couldn't even wasteland in response. Correct. And you're say you're probably untapping a creature that also taps for mana. Your your Quarian Ranger makes two mana potentially. Yes. And the nice thing about Wirewood Symbiote and Quarian Ranger is neither one of them are affected by summoning sickness with their abilities. They're not tap abilities. So literally turn one, play them, start using them. It's it makes the deck very explosive. Mm-hmm. Now the other card that pairs well with all of these is Heritage Druid, since we're talking about summoning sickness here. Heritage Druid is a one-one elf. You can for one green. Of course. You can, yep. Um, basically, every creature in here except Elvish Visionary costs one green. <laughs> Very low curve, co- low Correct. curve. Deck. And it's so you can keep your glimpse chains going. Gotcha. So, uh, what Heritage Druid's, Druid does is as a cost to this activated ability, so it's not tapping it, but you tap three untapped elves and then you generate three green mana. So, because of the way that's worded, you those creatures can be summoning sick and you still get to use them. So, they don't gain the ability to tap for a mana. You just choose to tap three cards three creatures yeah three, three elves. elves and then you get three green mana we've just talked about a bunch of ways you can untap tons of creatures these glimpse chains could almost just go forever correct and they do most like once you get a good glimpse chain going you actually have to be careful to not draw more cards than are in your deck so what you'll do with Her- heritage druid and combination with these guys uh the wirewood symbiote and the Quirion ranger is you'll be using the untaps for Quirion Ranger to tap to untap the creatures that you tap for Heritage Druid. And then with Wirewood Symbiote, you'll be replaying elves that you can then tap. They're now untapped again as well to also tap for Heritage Druid. So all these things are kind of working in concert with each other to generate massive amounts of mana. It's hard to visualize if you haven't seen it. And so I highly recommend It's Julian is one of the kind of premier elf players that we both like to watch. He's on Twitch and YouTube. Um, if you if you Google it's Julian Glimpse Chain, yeah. you'll find tons of clips of him running through his entire deck casting. Because we didn't talk about glimpses stack. Yep. So let's say you've cast three glimpses in one turn. Every creature you cast draws three cards. Yep. And it's very common for that to happen. That's what I was saying where you have to be careful. Because what can happen is if every creature you cast is drawing you four cards and you only have three cards in your deck. Yep. Now, what you can do with some other things is you can you can shuffle like Green Sun Zenith back in your deck by just casting it for one, failing to find, and it shuffles back in. And you can kind of you what a, can kind of get around that a little bit. What a crazy problem to have. Right. Well, out of cards, but I still want to keep drawing. Yeah. So the card, since we're bringing up Heritage Druid, we're going to move next immediately to Nettle Sentinel. Nettle Sentinel. So there's there's two pairs of creatures here. You got Wirewood Symbiote and Elvish Visionary, mm-hmm. where those that's the best friends team. Those cards together are just you know, cake and icing. Yep. So then you've got Nettle Sentinel and Heritage Druid. What Nettle Sentinel does, it's a one mana two two elf. It doesn't untap during your untap step. Whenever you cast a green spell, you get to untap it. Ooh. So if we can go back to Heritage Druid, where we're tapping elves for mana, now we're going to play some creatures. Which are probably green. Which are probably green. So we tap our Nettle Sentinels for three. So let's just say, you know, for argument's sake, just to make it easy, we have three Nettle Sentinels out. We tap those for three. We play a one mana elf. It untaps all of our nettle sentinels. And now we still have two mana floating. And you can actually turn each one of your elves into a dark ritual for green with that. You, you can start setup. netting mana. And correct. You could potentially get to a spot where you, you could glimpse through your deck and just cast Crater Hoof. Yep. And that, that happens a lot. A lot of times, if you're in a long glimpse chain, you don't want to cast Natural Order because it costs four. 
and you're losing a creature that could be tapped in other ways to keep the claim, the chain going. So what you do is you get in these scenarios where you're dark ritualing every creature you cast. You're it turns your elf into a dark ritual and an ancestral recall is basically what you're trying to do with this deck. Gotcha. And that's so, kind of the extreme case. Yeah. Usually you're drawing one or two cards and you're making one or two mana, but that stuff adds up quick. Yes, it does. And especially, I mean, if you're netting an extra card and an extra mana every time you cast an elf, I mean, you can see where that goes. Yep. We're just like, well, I need to cast eight elves. And by then I'll hopefully hit a crater hoof, drop it into play. Now, one of the things to watch out for in that scenario is the only creature that's going to attack. For example, if we're doing a turn two glimpse chain, you're going to have maybe... Crater Hoof, you'll have Crater Hoof for sure, for sure, and maybe one other elf. Gotcha. So what you're trying to do there is get enough elves out that your Crater Hoof by itself is able to kill your opponent. Even if you attack, I do you think if you could get, like, let's say six elves out and attack for, you know, 17 on turn two, and the game's probably over. Probably, but in a lot of your matchups, you definitely don't want to give a legacy player another turn. Fair. That's very so, fair. Especially if you're, if you're on your turn two, for example, if you're on turn two, on the draw, your opponent can then just turn three Plague Engineer or yeah. Zealous Persecution, Terminus, all these kind of things. So you, gotcha. obviously you really, you know, if that's the only thing you can do is attack them for 18 and put them at two, that still puts you in a very good position, but you really want to try to get that kill as soon as possible because elves, it has to commit so much to the board. It's also very weak in that regard. Gotcha, gotcha. There's plenty of, there are plenty of spells in Legacy where you can just lose the game. So you do not want to give your opponent any additional turns. Unless, again, unless you have to. Yep. Sometimes you just sometimes you just miss. Yeah. And that happens quite a bit with elves because it's there's so many moving parts and it's such an intricate combo. You could play the combo perfectly and still just not draw what you need. More what's more likely is you'll play it imperfectly and still not draw what you need. <laughs> yep. So if we're gonna move on from cards of note, when you're starting. Obviously, we're talking about this deck wants to win on maybe turn two or turn three. Yeah. What are you looking for in that opening hand? What do you want to see? What's your, what is your like best turn one, turn two play? So my favorite turn one is to use a card called Green Sun Zenith, which is a one green mana and X sorcery. Uh, you search your library for a green creature with uh, CMC equal to the X. Now, the best turn one play is to make that, that X zero. Well, it's X or less. Yeah, X or less. But the best turn one, in my opinion, I love going Green Sun for zero and getting Dryad Arbor. Um, what that allows you to do, again, if I'm just crafting a hand, is to then follow it up with another, on turn two, play Quarian Ranger. And that gives Quarian Ranger the best untap target that it could have. I don't know if we've talked about Green Sun and Dryad Arbor. So Green Sun, one green X, search your library for a green card, CMC X or less, put it straight into play. Green creature, yes. Green creatures uh, X or less. And then you get to shuffle that back into your deck. Yep. And you're talking about Dryad Arbor, which is this really weird card that shouldn't exist in my opinion, but it's a land creature. It's a forest creature. That's a 1-1. One, one. Yep. So it's a forest that has summoning sickness, but can attack. Correct. And that's why it pairs so well with Quirion Ranger, because it doesn't say untap target basic forest. It doesn't say bounce a basic forest. It says bounce a forest. Bounce a forest. You can protect that Dryad Arbor. It says untap a creature, which Dryad Arbor is. Yeah. So that's so a, that's a really powerful those, combo. I love the nice thing about that. Like if I had to just pick three cards, obviously we could craft perfect hands. Mm -hmm. If I could just pick three, that puts you that gives you so much versatility. It allows you to protect your Dryad Arbor. Uh, it accelerates you a lot 
because a lot of times you won't hit a second land. Some Most of the time you do, but sometimes you don't. But Quarian Ranger gives you the ability to fake land drops. Yep. Well, since Dryad Arbor, it produces a mana, and it also gives you an extra mana from Gaia's Cradle. Yeah. It, that card's good. So that's what I was going to say. Like, if we're crafting the perfect hand, it'd be like Fetch Land or Basic Forest if we're on game one. So we'll just go Forest, Green Sun Zenith, Quarian Ranger, Glimpse of Nature, Wirewood Symbiote, Gaia's Cradle, and another elf, maybe Heritage Druid. That is a just that hand. If my opponent doesn't do anything, I'm going to kill him next turn. Mm-hmm. Like that's just going to happen. Explosive. It's very super explosive. explosive. That turn one green sun into a dryad arbor. You follow it up with a Quirion ranger to untap it. Dryad arbor is going to by itself because we've got that cradle produce two. But it also gives you a little bit of flexibility to cast glimpse, follow it up with an elf, and then tap your cradle. So your cradle is going to tap for three a lot of times, three or four on that turn in that scenario. And then you just play out the rest of your hand. Yep, just, go, just go crazy. And that's why I said uh, one of the another interesting thing about Quirion Ranger is every time you bounce it in and out of play, you get to use its ability again. Mm-hmm, it's a new that's creature. why that other creature I picked was Wirewood Symbiote. Because then I can use the Wirewood Symbiote to, after I've used my Quirion Ranger, return Quirion Ranger to my hand untap the dryad arbor tap the dryad arbor to replay the quirion ranger <laughs> and then just keep doing this loop so some decks in legacy mulligan very well yeah some decks do not where does elves fall on that spectrum elves does not mulligan very well gotcha um if you've if you're kind of like piecing together the way the deck works it's elves is a very well-tuned machine it's got a lot of moving parts very synergistic very synergistic and on top of all of that, you also need a lot of them together. So what it is, it's called a critical mass deck. And you have to have a critical mass of these cards in order to pull your combo off. If you're mulliganing down to, I mean, I really don't even like going to six. Uh, I usually advocate for mulligan to using your mulligans aggressively. Mm-hmm. I don't with elves. I'm looking for a playable hand because most of the time, most sevens are better than most sixes. And most sixes are way better than most fives. Gotcha. So the other thing to keep in mind with elves, it runs six lands that don't produce mana on turn one. Oh, because Gaia's Cradle Gaia's isn't... Cradle taps for nothing if there's no creatures out. And obviously you don't want to do that. And then it's, I mean, the formats are just wastelands everywhere. Yep. So you're not going to play a Gaia's Cradle into nothing. Oh, and Dryad Arbor has summoning Dryad sickness. Dryad Arbor has summoning sickness. So... You can get, this is where you'll mulligan most often, is when you get a hand that's literally unplayable, mm-hmm. where it's just like, I can't do anything on turn one or turn two, so I just, I have to send this back. Gotcha. If I don't have one of those hands, it has to be real bad for me to send it back. We're talking like, you know, five lands in a natural order. Or no lands. Or, or no lands. Yep. But basically, if Elves has a playable hand, you should probably keep it if it's seven. Kind of funny, you're, you're sort of a combo deck but you don't get to mulligan aggressively like a combo deck does. You're kind of right. in that weird middle spot. Yeah. Interesting. So if you've gone into game one, you sculpted that perfect hand on your first seven, what are we talking about sideboarding now? Like what cards do we usually see in the sideboards, and what are some of your sideboard strategies? Normally elves will run between three and five single target removal spells. Those could be anything from like Fatal Push, uh, Run Afoul, Abrupt Decay, Assassin's Trophy. Uh, some guys are even splashing white for prismatic endings. That's pretty rare, but it has happened, so I want to bring it up. Very powerful card. I see it. From there, you're going to have, again, these are all a lot of, there's some flexibility here, depending on how you like to lose. Three to five discard spells, uh, sometimes even six. So the main ones there are going to be either Thoughtseize or Cabal Therapy, some mix of that. 
Uh, I've noticed most people, including myself, who kind of cut the cabal therapies. Uh, they just go with four thought seizes. Cabal therapy has is a very good card in elves. Uh, you have plenty of creatures to throw away to that flashback. And the main thing is you have the creatures to throw away in the matchups where it matters. Yeah, I, I see the cabal therapies coming out, though. But the way you've explained cabal therapy to me is it, it's, it's one black. You name a card and then your opponent shows you their hand and they discard all the cards you named. So yeah. it's kind of you have to guess. Yep. But then you can flash it back by sacrificing a creature. And if you could do that in one turn, you're guaranteed to get it. But you've explained to me that Cabal Therapy always gets the card that you need them to not have. Yeah. But the problem with Elves is, since you're such a wide creature deck, you're kind of susceptible to every removal spell, every board wipe, every... There's something you can really name most of the time that you're guaranteed to, like, make sure they don't have it or you lose. Right, especially against... So, like, for example, if you're playing against, like, a Jeskai list, right, there's... Swords to Plowshares. What's Jeskai? Uh, red, white, and blue. Gotcha. Uh, there's Swords to Plowshares, Prismatic Ending. Depending on the list, like if you're talking about a Jeskai Tempo list, a Saga list, some people run Jeskai Control. So, I mean, there's you could have, there's a myriad of cards. You could have Holy Heat, Lightning Bolt. Right. And the problem is, if you're looking to, say you really want to get Swords to Plowshares, and you miss by naming Swords to Plowshares, they actually have Prismatic Ending, you're giving them a free Swords to Plowshares by casting that flashback. So, whereas, you know, Thoughtseize just comes in and, and grabs whatever the best thing you get to is. look at their hand and decide what needs to go. Yeah. I see a lot more Cabal Therapies in the combo decks where, you know, you say to yourself, as long as they don't have Force of Will, I win this game. Well, then you just name Force of Will and it doesn't yeah. matter. And if you, that is where the Elves players that play Cabal Therapy, that's where you would use it most of the time. It just seems a little less... It's just not quite as good. Exactly. It's, it's harder to get those hits because, like we said, you're you're kind of soft to so many things, especially yeah. in games two and three. So what I've noticed, a lot of people, including myself, have just trimmed, instead of having like six with two Cabal Therapies, four Thoughtseize, they just cut the Cabal Therapies. Part of that is just because the meta has shifted, so discard's just not quite as good anymore. So if you if the meta shifted back, Cabal Therapy is where you'd be if discard just, just mm-hmm. you know whatever meta changes it took, if spell-based combo was suddenly very good, then you'd you'd cut a couple like the Abrupt Decays or Assassin's Trophies or Fatal Pushes, whatever, and bring those Cabal Therapies back in. Gotcha. But given the fact that permanent-based either combos or creatures, whatever, is very popular right now, most people have cut back to just four Thought Seasons. From there, so you basically have three different things that Elves is looking at trying to keep in check. So you've got permanent-based removal, to deal with opponents' creatures, plague engineers, permanent-based combo, stuff like that. You've got discard to attack their hand, spell-based combo, and against your control decks. And then you've got graveyard eight. I almost always run four Leyline of the Voids. I hate losing to graveyard decks. I don't like not getting a chance to play the game. Leyline of the Void is the best or second best way to attack those decks. It's useless against most other decks. Like, it's not as good against... Like, it's basically unplayable against, like, a Jeskai list or something like that, whereas Surgical Extraction could be good. But Surgical Extraction is not nearly as good against Reanimator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and as we discussed in our, one of our previous episodes, Reanimator, I don't want to say it's, quote, back, but it's pl- it's seeing play again. At least right now it is, yeah. Right. So there was a stretch where L- Reanimator was almost nowhere to be found. You could make an argument for cutting some of the Leyline of the Voids, given that Reanimator's kind of back in the mix. I'd go right back to four, and that's not something I flex with. 
my my sideboard is like four leyline in the voids four thought seizes a decent number of like abrupt decays i don't really like assassin's trophies okay i haven't tinkered with fatal push yet i understand why it's in there because the creatures you're trying you're not trying to remove permanent so much anymore as just directly like dealing with ragavan and drc targeted removal yeah targeted (laughs) removal and then you've got a couple flex slots so you've got a lot of people run collector oaf reclamation sage sees some play endurance is seeing some play uh, one of the things a lot of people run, and this is very, this is like unique to elves, is Progenitus. Uh, it's two of each color, but that makes it a green creature. So against a, quote, fair deck, that's going to be kind of a grindy matchup. Unless they're running Terminus, you can just natural order natural order out a Progenitus, and it's just game over. It's a 10-10 protection from everything. Correct. So it's just hit, hit, you're dead. Most decks, you know, a Delver, Maverick, anything that's reliant on single target removal can't deal with it yep because crater hoof only wins the game if you have three or four other creatures that can attack and those decks typically snipe your creatures yep so you're not against a lot of against decks with a lot of single target removal you can't plan on having six or seven elves out most of the time and in fact that is so true a lot of people will actually cut the number of guys cradles in their deck Mm. they'll sideboard those out like if you're playing against a miracles list a lot of people sideboard out guys cradle you're, Not you're, all of them. You're going to have so few creatures regularly. Correct. Gotcha. So it's it's at that point, it's almost a liability. Okay. So you still want to keep a couple in because getting lucky is a thing. Hmm. And if it's not in your deck, you can't draw it. But Progenitus is a perfect card for that matchup because at that point, you're not looking to like get a bunch of stuff out. You're like, I just need to resolve this natural order and we're done. Yep. Some people run it. Some people don't. I almost always run it. Gotcha. I think it's... It's quite frankly just funny. <laughs> like, I love the look on my opponent's face when they know they have nothing in their deck that can beat a progenitus. Yep. Because you're and, planning on that crater hoof. Right. And I've seen when I was first playing against Matt and I was still kind of learning what it did. You know, he got me one tries with it. You know, you, they go for that crater hoof with no creatures left. They attack their only creature. And it's like, as a player sitting across the table, I'm not scared of a 5-5. A five, five. He, he's basically a 5-5. Five, five. And, oh, that's a 10-10 yeah. that I can't touch. Right. So it's just like, oh, well, I'll just rely on my swords to deal with his... He's trying... You know, the elves player is just trying to get a crater hoof out yep. as something to do. I can swords whatever he plays. Right. No, you can't. No, I can't. So that's a quick look at our sideboard. We've got a, a couple minutes left. I would say, what are your top two tips or tricks that you would give to an aspiring elf player or someone playing against elves? The My favorite trick... We mentioned it earlier, but I love using Glimpse of Nature as bait. Everyone knows what Glimpse of Nature does if you're playing in serious competition. And it's just it's just one of those cards that almost everyone just counters on the spot. A mm-hmm. lot of players just don't even think about it. They'll they'll give a quick glance to they'll go, Oh, you got three cards in your hand, you got three elves, counter the glimpse. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, one of those cards is natural order. Yep. And the other are two lands. Happened, so, happened to me. So, like, this glimpse was dead. So, a lot of times, I love turning Glimpse of Nature into him to Turok. The other one, it's not so much a trick, but be very careful what lands you play and when you play them. Uh, One of the things a lot of new Elves players do, a lot of serious Magic players have learned to just play their land as the first thing they do. Oh, it's such an easy thing to do. You just go, up, land drop. So you don't forget. For you, so you don't forget because you're trying to not forget. So you've practiced this. I'm going to make my land drop every turn. That is one of the worst mistakes you can make playing elves is playing your land drop. What you want to do is wait until the absolute last minute where you can't do anything else until you play this land. 
Well, the idea I think behind it is if you don't have it because you might draw it. I've seen a lot of people will, they'll throw down their bayou, they'll play some stuff, play an Elvish Visionary, and and they'll draw Gaia's Cradle and they rob themselves of four mana. Correct. So if you're in the middle of a glimpse chain, if you're going to be drawing any cards that turn at all, don't play your land unless you absolutely have to. That is one of the most common mistakes I've seen. Just watching other people play this deck. They'll just, you know, be in the middle of a glimpse chain and they won't realize that if they just tap their elves, they could cast the next spell they want to. So they'll play a forest and then they'll cast that spell and then they'll draw Guy's Cradle. And it's like, well, you could have just killed your opponent mm-hmm. had you just been paying attention you gotta instead. Got to let them untap. Right. Or, I mean, even if you still pull it off, because it's, you know, there's a lot of mistakes you make that aren't game ending, mm-hmm. but you still want to get out of the habit of doing that. That gotcha. That's the number one thing I would say don't do. Okay. Matt, I think we're coming to the end of our episode. Was there anything else you wanted to leave our listeners with on their you know, introduction to the Like I'm 5 series and Legacy Elves? I personally love Elves. That's why you know I've picked this. Have you been playing Elves for 20 years? Yeah, I've literally been playing some variation of an Elf deck uh, since middle school, So, and I'm 35 years old. I love it. It's a lot of fun. My favorite thing about the deck is it's a combo deck, but it's not, I don't want to like slander people or anything, but like show and tell is kind of brain dead, right? Oh my God. I can hear the I know. keyboards of people talking but about how much of a jerk Relative you are. to like show and tell Emrakul or Dark Depths Thespian stage, like people talk about their combo decks and it's like, well, you're playing a combo deck that needs two cards. I'm playing a combo deck that needs eight. And it's just a lot more interesting for me to play. I love that my deck gives me the opportunity to opportunity to actually outthink my opponent and use things in a very use my creatures in a very creative way. There's a lot of bluffing in elves. That's my favorite thing about it. It's just it a it never it almost never plays a control matchup or the control role in a matchup, which I don't really enjoy playing control decks. So I don't even have to worry about that. You're always attacking to beat face, right? And it, you just get to do such satisfying things. So, like, until you've swung on turn two at your opponent for, like, 180 damage, well, you have every card in your deck is either drawn or on the battlefield, it just, it's very satisfying to play. Like, show and tell, you get to go, cool, Emmer, cool, swing, and it's like, yeah, I won, but whatever. I think you're drastically underestimating how much fun it is to play a 15-15 attack, but I get your point. Oh, I do. I do play a 15, I play a 30-30 in attack. <laughs> but does it have Annihilator 6? It has Annihilator player. Yeah, that's, that might be better, actually. <laughs> right. So it's just a lot of fun. I love elves. I play it in every format. I have popper elves foiled out. I have legacy elves. I'm rebuilding modern elves. I'm talking about playing historic elves. Mm-hmm. Like, I will play elves in any format that Wizards lets me play it in, where it actually has a reasonable shot at winning. So, like, Modern Elves may be like a Tier 4 deck. That's what I'm going to be showing up to Modern Tournaments mm-hmm. with. And you're going to have to deal with that random, like, oh, man, I lost in Round 1 to some idiot playing Elves. <laughs> that idiot could be you. Hey, <laughs> we just saw, this is kind of dating us a little bit, but we did just see a really big tournament and 80-card Alluren got second place. Right. So, just because something's Tier 3 does not mean it cannot win. Pick the deck you love. The deck I love is Elves. Gotcha. And... I can talk for another two hours about this deck. Well, I think we should wrap this episode up. We're getting a little long. If you guys want to give us any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to talk to Matt personally about his experience with elves, his recommendations for elves, maybe even some short coaching on elves, I bet he'd love to give it to you. Yep. Cantripcartel at gmail.com. We both get those emails. 
hit us up on the Facebook group for some kind of quick, immediate, in-person conversation at Cantrip Cartel on Facebook. We're going to put his particular, at least current deck list, into our Discord channel on the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Discord. We are proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network, and we have a channel on their Discord. I always highly recommend everyone check them out if you're looking for any standard or commander content. They record on Mondays or Tuesdays, and they usually post on Wednesdays. Aramis and Will are great guys, and they put out a great show. Other than that, I think we're all finished up. Yep. All right. Have a nice night, guys. See you next time.